Well, good morning again and a happy new year. <laughs> By faith. Okay. We're going to continue where we were last together uh, before Christmas. Uh, who do you say Jesus is? Now, this is part two. We're in the book of John. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. John chapter 9, verse 18 is where we'll start. You know, there was an elderly lady who was well known for her faith and for her boldness in talking about it. She would stand on her front porch and shout, Praise the Lord! But next door to her lived an atheist. And he would get so angry at her proclamation, he'd shout, There ain't no Lord! Well, hard times set in on, on the lady, as that times do. And she prayed for God to send her some assistance. She stood on her front porch and shouted, Praise the Lord! God, I need food! I'm having a hard time. Please, Lord, send me some groceries. And she believed for it. And the next morning, the lady went out on her front porch and noted a large bag of groceries and shouted, Praise the Lord! And right then, the neighbor jumped out from behind the bushes and he said, Aha! I told you there was no Lord. I bought those groceries. God didn't. And the lady started jumping up and down and clapping her hands and said, Praise the Lord! He not only sent me groceries, but he made the devil pay for it. going to be talking a little bit about boldness this morning. <laughs> the Gospel of John was written between 90 AD and 100 AD. Scholars believe that John wrote the three epistles in the book of Revelation around the same time frame as he wrote the Gospel. The Gospel of John was written after Matthew, Mark, and Luke had been written and were already circulating amongst the churches. John has been dubbed by most scholars as the spiritual gospel. It's unlike the other three. John chapter 9, verse 18. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. And they asked them, saying, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? Well, his parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that Jesus, he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. And so they again called the man who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory, we know that this man is a sinner. And he answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. Then they said to him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And then they reviled him and said, you are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we did not know where he is from. And the man answered and said to them, 
Why, this is a marvelous thing that you don't know where he is from. Yet he opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. And since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered and said to him, You were completely born in sins, and are you teaching us? And they cast him out. And Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. And then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see. Therefore, your sin remains. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to a text that is replete with many lessons. And Lord, though we kind of hit the high points this morning, we ask that you would open the text to our minds. Lord, the things that you've placed on my heart to say, I ask that you would help me to say them in boldness and in power. Lord, if you could use a donkey, I ask that you would use me. And so, Father, we lift the rest of this service up to you, and we ask that you would change us, that you would make us different on the inside, that our hearts would be made new. We thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. The strong Son of God in the church said, Amen. Jesus is bold, so you also be bold. Trust in Jesus and do God's will all the time, and you'll be fine. Number one, be bold in your faith. Be bold in your faith. Look at verses 18 through 23 again real quick. This is going to be out of the New Living Translation. And it says, The Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man had been blind and could now see. And so they called in his parents. And they asked them, is this your son who was born blind? If so, how can he now see? And his parents replied, we know this is our son and that he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him, he's old enough to speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. And that's why they said he is old enough, ask him. You know, last time we were together, we looked at the blind man whom Jesus healed by spitting in some dirt and making mud. And now we pick up again where the people had brought the formerly blind man to meet the religious leaders of the day. Now, this kind of healing had never been seen before. This miracle before now had never even really been thought of before Jesus did it. It was not a normal thing for someone who was born blind to be healed. It just didn't happen. So what do they do? They call in his parents. Why? Because they still couldn't believe the miracle had happened. And so they ask his parents if this was 
their son, and if he indeed was born blind and can now see, and his parents are afraid of the Jewish leaders because they know that it had been said that anyone who proclaimed Jesus as the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Now that's a big deal back then. It's not like today. To be put out of the synagogue during this time was a devastating thing. Today you get mad at a church, you just go down the street to, the, to another church, right? To be put out also meant for them, not only were they put out of the, the synagogue, which was their church, but they were put, put out also from their finances. Because their finances would be hit. They, they worked within the Jewish community. They wouldn't buy from them anymore. They would not have anything to do with you if you were put out. So to be put out meant you were cut off in your finances, your social connections were cut off, and your religious worship was cut off. And that pretty much covered everything in their lives. They didn't have anything else other than that in their lives. Now what's interesting here is that their son was, was bold with what happened. He wouldn't back down about it, yet his parents were afraid and they obfuscated the question. They wanted nothing to do with this line of questioning. They knew a miracle had taken place because they knew their son for years had been blind. He was their son. They knew it. But rather than rejoice in the miracle of God, they put the questioning back on their son. Rather than confirming it, they said, hey, he's old enough. Let him tell you. You know what that tells me? Is they were okay with their own son running the risk of being put out from the synagogue but not themselves. How selfish can human beings be? The ex-blind man was not even privy yet to the fact that Jesus is God in the flesh, yet God's power and boldness caused him to be bold in what had happened. How much more should we be? We have the Holy Spirit living inside of every believer, living inside of you if you're a believer, yet we're not bold like we should be. Proverbs 28.1 says, The wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. Acts 28.31 says, They boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ, and no one tried to stop him. 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. When someone asks you for why you believe what you believe, don't be mousy in your answer. Tell them. Be stalwart. Be bold with your answer. Don't back down. Let God be God and every man a liar. Romans 3, 4 says, of course not. Even if everyone else is a liar, God is true. As the scriptures say about him, you will be proved right in what you say and you will win your case in court. Where's your faith today? Is it bold? Or are you so unsure of what you believe that maybe you don't believe what Jesus said? Now if that's the case, you need to examine yourself and make sure you're actually in the faith. We're told to do that in 2 Corinthians 13.5. Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. Which brings us to number two. Trust in your relationship with Jesus. 
Trust in your relationship with Jesus. John 9, 24. So for the second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was blind and now I can see. But what did he do, they asked. How did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed, I told you once, didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? And then they cursed him and said, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. And we know God spoke to Moses, but we don't even know where this man comes from. Well, that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. And ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. So they call in the ex-blind man and they say to him, Hey, you know what? We're glad that you've been healed. Give God glory for that, but know this. This man, Jesus, he's a sinner. And the man is like, he's like thinking about this and he's like, I know this one thing. I was blind, but now I see. And so the religious leaders are in shock and awe and, and they still don't really believe that, that he was blind. And, and they ask, how did Jesus do it? They asked again. And the man replies, probably he's exasperated at this point, you know. And he replies in a bit of frustration. I already told you, this is why. Do you want to hear it again? Do you want to be his disciples too? In other words, y'all are so hung up on this because you want to follow him. Is that why you're so hung up on this? And so do they answer the man in humility? Do they treat him respectfully? No, they answer him with self-righteousness and indignation. You follow Jesus, but we're the elite who follow Moses, whom we know God speaks through. Why? We don't know anything about Jesus, not even where he is, comes from. And so the man's pretty ticked by now, I, I believe, and and he says that it's strange because he did this miracle and healed my eyes and you know nothing. So then he calls them out on their hypocrisy and states that their belief that God doesn't hear sinners, yet he heard Jesus who healed him. So how could Jesus be a sinner then, huh? He's saying, look, he healed me. And according to, to their own teaching, God doesn't hear sinners. That's what they taught. So tell me. How did God hear me? Wow. If he weren't God, he could do nothing. And so the ex-blind man trusted in his revelation of who Jesus was and is and, and trusted his experience with him. And I can tell you two things that I know to be absolutely correct in my life. Two things I know to be absolutely correct. Are you ready? It's going to blow your mind. I was married December 28th, 2002. You know how I know? Because I was there. That should blow your mind. You know, I know when I was saved. I know, the, I, know, I know when I was saved. I remember it. You know how I know? I was there. 
This man remembers where and when Christ came to him. He remembers when his eyes were opened. Do you know how he knows? He was there. This man remembers it. Let me tell you something. If you don't have an experience with Jesus Christ, a salvation experience, then you need to truly ask yourself, are you saved and are you sure? That day will leave an indelible mark on your mind and on your life. It'll be the one thing that you don't forget. You can trust Jesus and your relationship with him. I know because I've had that salvation experience that changes you from the inside out. You see, I was walking my own way, doing my own thing, and then all of a sudden, this, this Jesus comes into my life and he messes it up. And now I'm walking another way. The crowd's going that way, I'm going this way. It ain't easy, but I'm doing it. Why? Because Jesus changed my life. That's where we need to be. Have you had that experience? Well, pastor, I've been baptized. Well, praise the Lord. If you weren't saved, you went in a dry center and you came up a wet one. It meant nothing. There was no identification with Christ there. Baptism is about identification with Christ. Death, burial, and resurrection. We use the waters of baptism for that. You die to yourself. You are buried with Christ in the water. And you are risen again to newness of life. Makes it a lot easier to use water than it does dirt. And that's why we don't use dirt. That was a joke. You'll get that on the way home. Number three, do God's will, and you know what? He'll get the glory. Do God's will, and he'll get the glory. They answered and said to him, John 9, 34, You were completely born in sins, and are you teaching us? And they cast him out. Now Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? And he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? He's saying, You're a man from God. Who is the Son of God that I may believe in him? I'll believe whoever you point out. And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. And then he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. As a side note, did he stop him from worshiping him? No, he did not. He let him worship him because he is the second in the Trinity. He is God in the flesh made manifest. And Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world that those who do not see may see and that those who see may be made blind. And then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, are we blind also? And Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, we see. Therefore, your sin remains. So after this exchange, what happens to the man? Well, he's cast out. I mean, not just out of their presence, but out of the synagogue. Cast out. He knew what would happen if he stood up for the truth. He knew that he was going to be cast out. You know what he did? He did it anyway. He did what was right. 
How many times do we back down from what's right for fear that we're going to cause problems? For fear that we're going to cause drama. I know some of you go and visit relatives during this season, during Christmas. I did too. And you know what? I did not step back from talking about Jesus. You know, my wife, in our early days of marriage, 21 years, by the way, 25 total together, we dated three years. That was a long three years. The 21 years just went by fast. Um, I forgot where I was going with that. I think I shot the rabbit and brought it back. <laughs> oh, well. I'll think of it on the way home. Yep. Oh, I was going to say in our early years of marriage, she'd look at me when we go to family and friends. She'd look at me and go, don't start a problem. And I'd look at her and go, I don't start it. I finish it. I tell them the truth. They don't like it. It's not me. It's black ink, white paper. What do you want me to do? Now she doesn't even go that far. She just falls asleep in a chair. <laughs> All right. What happened after this? What happened after this? After he did it anyway, and he suffered the consequence. What, did, what happened? Jesus came and found him and revealed to him who he truly is, not was, is. He is God in the flesh and the Savior of the world. Notice the man believed in Jesus and worshipped him. He makes a statement that he has come into the world to judge the world so that those who do not see may see, and those who see may be made blind. The Jews were God's chosen people. They had the revelation of God in what they call the Torah, but they did not see Christ when he first came. They should have known better, for they knew the law. And it turns out that those who were supposedly unlearned of the law saw him for who he is, and they worshipped him. Well, praise the Lord. Well, that didn't sit well with the religious teachers. And so they said to them, are we blind also? Well, Jesus shifted gears in talking about their sin then. He says, hey, you know the law. If you hadn't, you wouldn't be responsible for your sin. But you do, so your sins remain with you. Because you should know better. You ever looked at a child and said, you should know better? I used to do that a lot and still do sometimes. <laughs> you should know better than to touch that. What does that mean? That means the religious people who had a form of godliness denied the power of God. They denied the power thereof. They were responsible for what they knew and should have known and needed a Savior. Instead, they rejected Him. They said, we're done. Goodbye. Why? Because man doesn't like to deal with his sin. Because it means you did wrong. 
I found that, and this is going to ruffle some feathers, but be ruffled. I found that most mean-spirited people in the world are religious folks. Notice I didn't say Christians, I said religious folks. I'm not talking about true Christians. I'm talking about religious folks who go to church, they know some of the Bible, they should know better how to act, but because they don't know Jesus, they're bitter and have a form of godliness, but do not know the power of godliness that only comes through Jesus Christ. And I thank God we don't have people like that around here. We have folks who know Jesus. But they do exist. You need to grow a thick skin when you're dealing with them, especially when you're witnessing to people like that. When you're around them, because inevitably they're going to strike out in order to harm you emotionally, spiritually, and in some cases physically. Watch out for the religious people who don't know God. Jesus said it of the Pharisees of his day. He said it in Matthew 23, 27. He said, what sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead men's bones and all sorts of impurity. Be careful of that. When you're witnessing, sometimes you've got to have that thick skin. I love it when, they, when, I, when I talk to somebody and I go, do you know Jesus? Does he know you? Oh, yeah, I'm a member of First Baptist Church, Mineola. That's not what I asked you. Do you know Jesus? Does he know you? Not where do you go to church? Or do you go to church? Do you know Jesus? Does he know you? God is good. I'll agree. Religion and Christianity are two different things. Religion says, this is what I must do. This is what I have to do. This is what I shouldn't do. Here's your do's and don't list. Christianity says... Jesus, I need you. I want to spend time with you. I want to learn more about you. I want to love you. I want to experience your love. I want to know your presence. I want to be in your presence. That's the difference. And you know what happens? The more time you spend, like, spend with Jesus, the more time you look like Jesus, and the more time you look like Jesus, those do's and don'ts work themselves out. You automatically stop doing the things that he don't want you to do because you love him. Not because it's a do and don't list. That's all I got to say about that. Jesus is bold, folks. If you remember nothing, remember Jesus is bold. You got to be pretty bold to spit in dirt, make mud, and put it on somebody's eyes. That takes bold. You also be bold. Trust in Jesus and do God's will at all times. Be bold. Trust in Jesus and do God's will at all times. Let me ask you a question as the ladies come. Let me ask you a question. Are you stuck in religion or do you have relationship?
with Jesus. Big difference. If you need relationship, which we all need, then it, it's quite simple. Jesus, help me. I'm a sinner. I'm going to hell. Save me. That'll save you right there. It's the unction of the heart. From out of the heart, the mouth speaks, we're told. And for those of us that are true Christians, let me ask you a question. When was the last time you shared Christ? When was the last time? I heard somebody just whisper yesterday, well, praise the Lord. We're going to have that nice aquarium up here. You can put a, put a signature on there, put it in there, put their name on that ping pong ball. When was the last time you shared Jesus? When was the last time that after you shared Jesus, or you know that they're a Christian and you know they're not going to church nowhere, you asked them to come to church? Praise the Lord. We call it investing and inviting. Invest in people. Be genuine with people. They're not just some project. Be genuine with them. Be genuine with your faith to them. And invite them. We are going to invest and invite this year. That is our, our new motto for the year. Invest and invite. That goes for people online, too. Do you know we have at least, at minimum, four to five people who watch the stream live every week? That's different logins. There could be multiple people in the house that are watching. I don't know. But that's per house. And then there are people who come back and watch. We have up to 20 some weeks, anywhere between 15 and 20 views per week on each of our services. And remember when we started that ministry, we didn't know how that was going to go. I think it's going pretty well. We just started it not too long ago. God moves. God moves. You know those people are a part of us as part of the kingdom? We need to pray for them too. As we come to the end here and sing the invitation hymn, if you don't know Jesus and you want to know him, I can introduce you to him. If you've got special prayer, we can do special prayer. Or two or more gathered in his name, he is in the midst. We know that one can put a thousand to flight and two can put ten thousand to flight. That's in the scripture. If two, one, if you, two of you agree concerning anything, of course, according to his will, it will be given to you. These are all promises. And if you'd like to join the church by letter, statement, or baptism, we can do that too. As we stand and sing the invitation hymn. Miss Joe okay. and the singers.